Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got some great advice from a listener. Okay. Uh, for Machine Gun Kelly. Yes. And for Megan Fox. And she says, I would say to Megan Fox, when I was in a tumultuous relationship in my late 20s and ended up in couples therapy before we were even married, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this difficult that's, at this point. You're yeah. not even married yet. And you, they're in their 30s yep, you should with be children. Your, you should be in your honeymoon phase. Lasting love shouldn't be a constant battle. No. Nope. No. She, good advice, Margaret. That's right. Uh, yeah. And then she, she has her three kids with bag, Brian yep. Austin Green. He has like a 14 or 15-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. They're in their 30s. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. It just doesn't work. That's no. all. No, it it anymore, doesn't. And just you know? let it go. Let it go. There's other great people out there. Well, you know what works is... Um, <laughs> I see how you did that. Hollywood works sometimes. Okay. And uh, Lester Holt sat down with legendary composer John Williams to talk about his many, many... I think he has like... 58 Academy Award nominations. He's the second most nominated individual after Walt Disney. His compositions are considered the epitome of film music. He's considered one of the greatest composers in the history of cinema. He's still alive. He's still with us. Wow. He, of course, the Star Wars saga, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, E.T., the first two Home Alone movies, Indiana Jones films, Jurassic Park movies, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, the first three Harry Potters, Catch Me If You Can, Hook. I mean, it just goes on and on. He did the television series Lost in Space and Land of the Giants. He's, I I believe he's uh, 93 years old. So this is just, he's nominated this year, I believe, for the Fablemans. Okay. For the music, but he's... uh, you know, absolutely legend. Another person who should be getting invited onto couches That's in whatever right. town he lives in because the story this guy has. So just here's a little sneak peek All right. with Lester and John Williams. Our buddy Lester Holt sat down with John Williams, the award-winning composer, to talk about his latest Oscar nomination for Steven Spielberg's film The Fablemans. And during that conversation, Williams opening up about his many appearances, but surprisingly, rare wins at the Academy Awards. Hmm. I think most people would think you would have won more because your music is so familiar. Well, my wife thinks I should have won more. <laughs> I love and that. And someone asked her, Samantha, 
why do you always wear black dresses to the Oscar? And she says, because we lose every year. <laughs> so you could say I've had 53 nominations, but how many losses is that? 48 or so. But it couldn't be more wonderful. and I couldn't be happier. But it's a recognition from one's peers, and one's colleagues that is always very gratifying. Oh. Well, he doesn't need my wife thinks I should have won more. I kind of love that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. He's won 25 Grammys, seven BAFTAs, five Academy Awards, four Golden Globes. And like I said, he's the second most nominated person besides Disney. And he has been with Spielberg since 1974. He did the theme for uh, the NBC Sunday Night Football. Oh! He does the mission theme used by NBC News and Seven News in Australia. He did the Summer Olympic, the 1984 games. He did that, that music. Imagine He's, just seeing something and being able to just oh have yeah. your brain just turn, and I'm going to find this perfect sound for yeah, that. Yeah, and he went to Hollywood High. I love that. Yeah. He's from Flushing, New York, but his family moved to L.A. when he was like in high school, and he graduated from North Hollywood High School. And uh -huh. he was in the U.S. Air Force Band. <laughs> He's just got a real interesting, like, there could be a, a movie, movie about, about, about him. It, yeah. He studied at Juilliard, and he just started working as a film orchestrator right? at the movie studios. One more. It's Indiana Jones. Oh, Indiana Jones, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Epic. Just, yeah, he, That's the tone of the whole movie, it does. Everything, right? A score in a movie, if it's, you take away from Friday the 13th, the score out of that movie, it's not even scary. Not even. But if you put that music mm -hmm. in there, it makes everything. And I got the chicken skin goosebumps yeah. just hearing Jurassic Park and Indiana and Jones. Jones. Yeah. The man is a legend. He really is a he legend. Is. So, John Williams, we salute you. And I'm glad you're going to be at the Oscars on Sunday, and I'm glad that it never gets old. No kidding. Uh, Chris Rock, we've got just a little... Oh, oh, tell me. We've got... we know the Netflix special is happening this Saturday night. That's right. Uh, he um, is going to debut his new live and unedited Netflix special. Uh, it's called Selective Outrage. It'll be on here at 9 o'clock Central. Mm -hmm. um, it's live from the Baltimore Hippodrome, but I don't know... If it's live, how they know um, a couple of these jokes. But here's one joke we're going to hear. I've rooted for Will Smith my whole life. The other day I watched Emancipation just so I could watch him getting whipped. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Um, Oh, God. Yeah, it's going to be, he is, um, he is, He's got a lot of takes, and by the very fact that he named his show Selective Outrage, yep. according to the Baltimore Sun, Chris Rock pulls no uh, punches on any of his, his jokes. And we know, like, according to Deadline, remember he joked at Oturino with Dave Chappelle, he played Ali, I can't even play for you. You know, I played, uh, who did he play? I played Pookie in New Jack City. I mean, he <laughs> kind of makes, we've heard a few little light. Little yeah. things, but he's kept it down. Um, oh. But he has a joke where he says Will Smith practices selective outrage. Oh, <laughs> like selective I would, hearing. And, and but that's the name of his yeah, special. But did you even hear how you delivered that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how Will Smith yeah. talks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you listened to I listened to his. Uh, I turned that book back. Yeah. I did. I haven't turned back many books, but yeah. that one I turned back. And he will refer to Will Smith as Suge Smith, which is a mashup of the 
Suge Knight? Suge Knight, the yeah. founder of Death Row Records. He was known for... He's serving 28 years for yeah, voluntary murder. manslaughter yeah. after a fatal hit and run on a movie Remember set. That? Yeah, oh, he's yeah. he's been accused of multiple murders. Yeah. That's just the only one they could connect him to. Him but too, he right. was a very, let's just say, in the music world, he was a what one would call a true gangster and yeah. would slap people to, to prove a point from yeah. time to time. So Chris Rock in a special says, who gets smacked by Suge Smith? Mm-hmm. And we have heard that one. Wow. That one we knew. So anyway, yeah, people are... Wow. Ready for that special. I think Netflix will have a lot of eyes. Oh, yeah. And I do think it's good that it's airing a week before the Oscars. 100%. Netflix could have been a dink and aired it the you know the day before the Oscars. Yeah. No, I like this. Yeah, I like this, I like too. it a lot. Uh, the premiere of Creed 3 happened last night at Grauman's. Well, it's not called Grauman's. It's called TCL Chinese Theater, but it'll always be Grauman's. It will be. To us, but and we posted the, the photos. photos. Beautiful, beautiful. Tessa Thompson's dress, I really, really loved. Yeah, that boned uh-huh. in corset. Just gorgeous. With that. Yeah, it was very pretty. Michael B. Jordan has a great tuxedo on, but then we looked at it, and the hem on the sleeves, the jacket, and the pants are all undone, and it's all frayed and uneven. Now I know he had to explain that to his mom and his grandma. Yep. I'm not a fan. When they no. saw that look. I'm not a fan. No. But there's some good, uh, there's some excellent fashion. There was some, the Serena Williams showed up. Of course, Jonathan She's been, Majors was Serena there. Serena Williams has been showing up to everything. She gets invited to everything yeah, and now she, she has time. Now was she, she a part has, of this movie at all? No? She just no, I don't think so, be. but she's look like she's buddies with one of the actresses. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. She's good buddies with Carrie Washington. Roger Friedman wrote a story just for you today, Julia, in Showbiz 411. Here's the headline. Oscar likability transcends the awards. No one understands everything everywhere, but everyone really, really likes the actors. Wow. So here's what he writes. Wow. And you've been keeping track of this. There isn't a person that we know who can explain what goes on in everywhere, every, or everyone, everywhere, all at once. Everyone Roger has spoken to asked me, asked him why it's winning so many awards. Why can't anyone make it through the movie? Some people have tried to watch it three times. They yep. still don't get it. But people know all the fun stuff from the movie. The hot dog fingers, the crazy costumes, Jamie Lee Curtis's overbite and her look, yep. the rock with the jiggly eye, eye the bagel. Yep. Even I know what the bagel is. But what is it about? No one knows. And no one has made it through the movie. And no one seems to care either. They just really, really like the actors. If you watch the Screen Actors Guild Awards on Sunday, and that was only a half a million people, you could see how the cast of EEAAO must have caught on during the SAGs. They're like last year's CODA cast. Fun, authentic, genuine. None of them have ever had awards interest in the past, right. and they all like each other. They also really like their director. Right. So they totally have fun, and we've seen that at the yeah, SAG we before. We saw it with Slumdog Millionaire, yep, The have. Delight. But, yeah, but that was a great movie. But this is what okay. he, Roger writes. It's all about likability. It's the same for Brendan Fraser. He plays the 600-pound whale. The movie The Whale, this is Roger writing that, is manipulative. No one wants to see it. After 12 weeks in the theater, The Whale, the most hyped movie of the year, has made $16 million. Mm. But everyone loves the idea of Brandon making a comeback. Yep. 
because of his 90s movies. The fact that he's back at all is a miracle, and the whale sounds serious enough to make all Oscar voters feel like they could rally in their careers, because Oscar voting starts tomorrow. Just as with Brendan Fraser, Kate Kihu Kwan is part of a big, big comeback story in that film. He hadn't worked in 30 years. He's remembered as the child actor from the 80s. Michelle Yeoh rose to American fame, Crouching Tiger, and then nothing until really Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis is known for Halloween and being cool for the last 40 years. And no wonder they won the Screen Actor Guild Awards. If you're in the Screen Actor Guild, the EEAAO group is what you dream of. Recognition at last. Plus, it's refreshing as it was before Slumdog, Parasite. Yeah. Remember how excited people rarely, movies that rarely get screen attention, actors. And add a PS to that idea, just seeing 93-year-old James Hung on stage at the SAG telling stories about making a movie with Clark Gable and how Asians have been diminished for 70 years was enough to make you give this cast anything they want. So, I think it is then if that's the likability. But then if that's what the award is, mm-hmm. call it that. Well, no, they're not well, going to call it that. Because but, if you go back and go and watch some of the Best Picture Awards. But we can always have an argument. You can always have an argument always. about Best best Picture. Uh, what wins over what something else. What ends up getting remembered. Right. And I get all this. And I think. But that's how the yeah. voting works. It all comes right. down to likability. That's how Roger is explaining all right. this. I'm just bringing it to you. But no one in Hollywood knows what it's about either, Julia. So your informal poll is being backed by by you-know-who. All right, listen, we'll be right back with the Dirt Alert. Hey, everybody, it's uh, Lori and Julia here for El Barito Mercado. And I know I just had a friend come back last weekend. She's like, what am I going to do? I miss my Mexican food so much. I said, you're going to go to El Barito Mercado and you're going to shop uh, you're going to go to the butcher shop because you can get the seasoned meats ready to cook. And they got they have the traditional cut steak for carne asada and tacos. You can go to the marketplace for all the spices and the peppers. You can go to the deli. They've got heat and eat meals like tamales. And then, of course, you can get all kinds of salsas, guacamole, ceviche. You've got the bakery. I said, girl, you can eat like you're still in Mexico because this is a little slice right there in St. Paul. And it's all done for you if you want it. And the take and go, and you can put, we have stuff in the freezer from El Burrito Mercado. Plus, if you are thinking of summer food trucks, booking is happening right now. Get a hold of El Burrito Mercado. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. All right, Grant, what do you have? Well, let's start out with a little fun story involving the one and only Jimmy Kimmel and his uh, third time uh, as Oscar host here coming up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. What, in a couple weeks now, like you said, March 12th, I believe the Oscars are going to be here. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel was just talking about how he's uh, going to be preparing for the Oscars and how he, like he's going, like I said, going to be hosting. And he made some funny comment that I just wanted to bring to your attention. He said, in reference to him trimming down before the Oscars, he told People Magazine, I don't want to show up looking like Cocaine Bear. I don't have very, I don't have a very unfortunate moment where I tried to, uh, where I tried to fit into a tuxedo he wore in 2018. What was that whole story? Do you know about this thing? Uh, yeah, that would be the, the mix up at La La Land in oh, Moonlight, yes. which is our vintage scandal today. I have the inside story of how that happened. Perfect. So that's gonna. That's what he was referencing when he didn't. Okay, all right, yeah. So he didn't want to make it uh, as awkward as 2018. That right. was the most. He was very. Uh, he was really. He couldn't have been prepared for that mess. No, yeah, that was quite the situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes in a couple weeks, and I'm looking forward to hearing your vintage scandal on that here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. But now let's take a peek over at uh, this. This has already happened a couple years ago now when we lost uh, Kobe Bryant and about. Uh, 13 uh, or seven others along with his daughter Gianna and uh, Vanessa Bryant has finally settled her lawsuit with LA County over um, if you guys remember when this first happened um, some of the LA County fire sheriffs and employees took some pictures on site and then later that afternoon went to a bar and showed these pictures of the bodies of different types of body parts from the crash. Good yes. Lord. And yes, that that's caused, right. You cannot share that information. So Vanessa was suing mm-hmm. for herself alongside of Christopher Chester, yes. which was the yeah. husband of another victim. Yeah. And she was granted $28.85 million uh, from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. And $15 million of that was previously given to her in another lawsuit that they fit, uh, served a while yeah. back. But... She's going to be getting an additional thirteen million dollars because that's just terrible. It is terrible. I mean, Unbelievable. it was such a sad, tragic story, and then to find that you know that, that employees, people city are employees, passing around that. It's yeah. just like what? It's beyond disturbing. So she definitely got paid, and she just wants to make sure that this does not happen ever, ever, ever again. So. Good for L.A. County on making right with that. But we also got some news earlier this morning that has been updated. But Travis Scott has got himself into another situation here, you guys. Uh, He is a suspect in a police investigation at a New York City nightclub. This is according to TMZ. Now, around 3 a.m. on Wednesday, the rapper got into what... Got into it with someone at uh, Nubal. Is it Neb- Nebula? Nebula, Nebula nightclub, nightclub in New York City. I have no idea. And, that uh, sounds right. They were told that Scott allegedly punched a person and damaged property, possibly a cell phone, at the time. But we have an update to this now. What is so it? they reached out to um, his lawyers and to t- Travis Scott's um, reps, and they have spoken. Travis Scott's rep are saying that this is completely blown out of proportion. Probably now, it is. He was there to, for a surprise DJ set, and there was a small scuffle, essentially. I'm going to paraphrase here. And the gentleman that is accusing him of punching him said that he got punched in the face where there was no visible marks whatsoever. It was in a large scuffle of people. The video camera footage will come out eventually, they're saying, and the owner of the nightclub said that he has seen the video footage. This is a big to-do about nothing. I wonder if he and Kylie have broken up. I oh, they have broken they up, have broken Larry. Up. They did. They did. They yeah. did announce it 
They, oh, they finally, did? I feel like. No, this, they never did announce. Uh, they never said, she just scrubbed she them. She just scrubbed them, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it was think ever official. They just yeah. kind of separated ways. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm so, glad that she broke up with him because I don't think he's ready to be a settled down man. No. no. No, he has not learned how to take responsibility for anything he's done in the last year, let alone himself as a father or boyfriend, any type yeah. of relationship. So Yeah, that's what your call is. But yeah, that's my thought on mm-hmm. it. But, you know, right now with this particular situation. It's nothing. It's a, it's a big nothing is what the nightclub owner and his lawyers and his reps are saying we shall see where that goes uh let's head over to this story here so this one uh this is this is according to variety this has come out that netflix is going to be putting out a documentary about pornhub really yes and this is called money shot uh, no pun intended there, but uh, this this is a very this is so this is not going to be what what I'm kind of it's not going to be a fun documentary. It's going to go down the highs and lows of this industry, and it's going to talk about how it brought a lot of uh, you know money and power to women, and it's also potentially brought a lot of bad things into this really? world, like yeah, sex yeah, trafficking yeah. Yes, and things like that. So basically, this dives deep into both the successful side of Pornhub and what it's done for the industry and how people and have the right to be a part of that right. industry and express themselves in any way that they want. But it also takes a look at the darker side of things. The trafficking of women. Exactly. Which we've seen now in Law and Order Organized Crime that, and the mayor of Kingstown. That's true. That, that's like, you true. can't believe how much it's trafficking so, oh. goes on, which is why in a lot of uh, public restrooms at airports and bus stations, they always have the trafficking number yeah, in the women's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe the men's, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in... <gasps> Wow. Yeah, so this is going to premiere on March 15th, right after, you know, this is not far down the road, and there's a, I didn't post this, but you can go to YouTube and check out the, um, the the trailer it's not dirty by any means it just get, paints a little bit more a better picture of what's going to happen but again this is on Netflix March 15th very very uh, I I'm interested to see what this has to talk about and we've talked about this I think not too long ago the Super Bowl is known yeah. as one of the largest um trafficking. events for yeah. sex trafficking mm-hmm. in the country so I wonder if they're going to dive into mm-hmm. that situation should we go Michael B. Jordan on the red carpet calling out one of his old high school friends or do you want to go down to the weekend and his first ever movie well, no, I think it's a TV series. The weekend. No, there's two different things. Oh, there are. there are two different I things. I guess yeah. I want to know about Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's got a TV show and, a, and a, a movie coming up. Michael B. Jordan. This was not the current red carpet that we were talking about today. This was from last week for Creed. He was on the red carpet and a radio host that he went to high school with interviewed him about his recent success. And he kind of got a little snippety with her and was like, I remember back in the day. When you would call me corny. And she was like, dude, your name was Michael Jordan. Of course, you know, we did that. But she has since denied saying that she ever called him corny. But she did admit that she gave him a hard time all the time. But he clearly stood off to her. Well, maybe that was a hard name to have back then. Oh, Michael Jordan Jordan? as a young man. That's why he's Michael B. Jordan Jordan. to separate himself now. But And another student came out to tweet saying that that was her that said that, not the radio host. But how about that? A radio host and Michael B. Jordan. Same high school, same class. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool story. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, that's your My Talk Dirt Alert. Hey everybody, Lori and Julia here for Furniture Manor, where we love to get furniture inspiration and design ideas on how we can make our house more fabulous, more cozy, get a dream bedroom going, or maybe you want to redo kind of what you got going on in your family room. Oh, I know. You know, but again, I just think go to Furniture Manor and get some inspiration. They're open Monday through Saturdays, 10 to 5. It just is really just lovely. But again, Lori, like you're saying, you know, 
furniture is so personal. And Furniture Manor, if you are kind of new at buying furniture, like you always like to have feedback from everybody. because you, And then you bring pictures of your room and your measurements and you make sure you're getting the right thing. And that's, they can help you make all those decisions. But also if you find something on the showroom floor and you love it, Take it with you. Places do not do that. This is so cool. But Furniture Manor. Okay, so this book came out um, last. It just came out yesterday. Excuse me. Um, It's a book called Oscar Wars, A History of Hollywood in Gold, Sweat, and and Tears. And Michael Shulman um, explores 11 different Oscar Races, kerfuffles, okay. if you will, okay, um, oh. that have happened in Oscar history, and in, including the plot against Citizen Kane, the Hollywood blacklist, the Shakespeare in Love campaign. Yep. There is an afterward dedicated to the slap because the book was already done, right, from last year's, and so Michael Schulman investigates what he calls. Envelope Gate, which is its own chapter, the infamous 2017 incident when the wrong Best Picture winner was announced. Right. So this is some good, juicy tea that we didn't okay, know. Good. He's got the details. So the decision to ask Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway to present Best Picture was obvious. It was 50 years from since Bonnie and Clyde, the film that is considered to have ushered in quote-unquote, the new Hollywood. Sure, okay. Um, The producers of the ceremony were Oscar buffs who loved the tradition of bringing in legends for the final envelope. And one of the uh, producers, Michael DeLuca, he called Warren Beatty, who mulled and wanted to make sure Faye was on board. Faye was on board. She had not conditions, but some requests. It was a little bit of negotiating. We've heard that Faye's very picky about hair and makeup. Faye is. We've heard this a lot. At Mm -hmm. one point of negotiation after Beatty and Faye Dunaway agreed, who would announce the winner? It was decided that Faye Dunaway would introduce the nominees and then Warren Beatty would announce the winner. And acknowledging the fraught year that had just happened, uh, Oscars so white the year before, Warren made Warren Beatty made an opening remark about the increasing diversity in our community. When they got to rehearsal, though, Faye Dunaway wanted to read the winner. She said, I should do this. And Warren Beatty, having known Faye Dunaway for 50 years, just kept kind of flirting with her. And he teased her and he wouldn't give her the envelope. And it was just sort of this little thing he was doing with her. And with some gentle diplomacy, the producers kept the original plan where Faye would read the nominees, Warren would read the winner. Okay. And the host, Jimmy Kimmel, he had all kinds of tricks up his sleeves. If you remember, he snuck in a busload of tourists during the ceremony, mm-hmm. a stunt that took weeks of planning. <laughs> at another point, candy parachutes were coming from the ceiling for the stars to grab at. And in the event that President Trump tweeted about the Oscars, During the broadcast, Kimmel would live-tweet back at him from the stage an idea that proved technically complicated as his phone screen had to be projected on the screen, and I don't think Trump ever did tweet. Right. Then there was all the endless minutiae. The Friday before the show, an Academy staffer showed the producers, Oscar producers, a prototype of the winner cards. 
which for the first time weren't printed by their regular stationery company. Oh, interesting. Okay. One of the producers who wears glasses asked that they be reprinted in a bigger font so that the presenters wouldn't have to squint or take out glasses. Mm -hmm. But she, Todd and DeLuca, these are the two producers, their last names. They never saw the outside of the envelope, which was not printed by their longtime regular person. So it was gold on maroon is the color scheme. So apparently it was difficult to read, but no one caught that. And instead of a faux wax seal with an easy-to-pull ribbon, which is what they always had, the new envelope was sealed with a piece of tape. So they didn't realize the tape, and they never checked the font on the outside of the envelope. Another irritant was this Brian Cullinan, who was one of the two Price House. Price Waterhouse Cooper accountants responsible. Yep. He got fired after this yes, night because he, he was so bad. Now you'll find out why. And each of the two Oscar accountants are on each side of the stage, mm-hmm. and they are the only people who know the results and they memorize the winners beforehand in the event of a problem. And they gave an interview that week to like GMA, and they were actually asked what would happen if you announced the wrong winner. Mm-hmm. We would make sure that the right person was known very quickly. But what, what's the protocol if that happens? And um, anyway, they just kind of, you know, laughed it off. This mm-hmm. is so unlikely. And Cullinan lived in Malibu, rides a Harley, looks like Matt Damon. He'd had an onstage bit two years before at the Oscars when Neil Patrick Harris hosted it. And he'd ribbed the Price House Waterhouse guy or whatever they mm-hmm. count in PWC about his resemblance to Matt Damon. And so this guy kind of is like a famous dude in this thing. So the morning of the show began with multiple crises. Bill Paxton had died the day before. So they... they Unexpectedly. They need to work him into in memoriam. At the final dress rehearsal, part of the set got knocked over and two miniature Art Deco buildings fell down. It sounded like a bomb exploded. Jimmy Kimmel remembers that was a bad omen, and they had to bring in 50 technicians to get it fixed. We thought that was the big thing of the day, the morning of the show. Heading into the show, the La La Land was cautious. Everyone was saying, you guys are going to win, you're going to win, you're going to win. The first award was Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, thought this is interesting. Then he and his co-writer won Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Then La La Land lost costume design, sound editing, and then they finally won production design. And so people were like, oh, okay. And then the editing prize went to Hacksaw Ridge. And apparently the editing prize very much is an indicator for best picture at the Oscars. It's usually the same one that wins. Okay. Okay. And so anyway, then they had the La La Land, you know, crowd. Damien Chazelle had passed the week before. He'd been in bed with a fever. And he was kind of, um, when he got, because he won best directing, Mm -hmm. the La La Land. And Mm -hmm. Halle Berry presented it. Then Casey Affleck won Best Actor after months of carefully calibrated media appearances that downplayed his sexual harassment scandal. Yes. And then uh, one of the white, the the accountants handed Leonardo DiCaprio the Best Actress envelope. The winner was Emma Stone. 
this is a hopeful sign for La La Land. Damien won, and then Emma won, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is going to win. So when it was time for the final award, Brian, the accountant who looks like Matt Damon, Mm -hmm. handed the envelope to Warren Beatty. After Dunaway introduced the nominees as planned, Beatty opened it, looked at the card, he looked at the envelope, he glanced at Dunaway, and the Academy Award for Best Picture, and he's kind of stammering, and Jimmy Kimmel was sitting in the second row with Matt Damon, he was going to close the show, and he'd watch. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Them, Dunaway and Beatty rehearsed this multiple times. Like he'd never seen anyone rehearse and he just thought... Well, maybe he can't, Warren can't see the card. Right, right. And on stage, Dunaway threw up her hands and said, you're impossible. Kind of took, he showed her the card and drumroll, and she just glanced at the card and said, La La Land. As the music played, Barry Jenkins, like he was like, oh, we didn't win. And um, this, the guy uh, from La La Land, he was so excited. He took the envelope from Beatty the heavy statue from Dunaway he made his speech, then turned his mic over to the co-producer. And as his co-producer is speaking, he notices a commotion on both sides right, of the stage. Right. A man, where's the card? Let me see the card. Oh. Horowitz looked down at the card, which bore the words, Emma Stone, La La Land. And time just stopped. I knew Emma had seen her card, but both accountants have cards on both sides of the stage. They're each giving them away. And Brian had left his post when Emma Stone won to get a photo with Emma Stone. Remember that? We remember this. He takes the card, walks off stage. Oh my God, they screwed up. They realize it. They're like, oh no, La La Land. Moonlight, the award is yours. And... They were asked. Who came out and said that Jimmy Kimmel did, didn't he? Or who came out? No, Natoli came out a few roads um, uh, ahead of. Let's see, where am I? Where? Why? I felt like Jimmy Kimmel saying, I felt like Al Pacino. I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one with a mic. I need to hand that and uh, handle that. And Ryan Gosling thought there was a medical emergency. Uh Because he he was in La La Land. Because he was in La La Land. And so Jordan Horowitz, the guy who was accepting for La La Land, he's like, yeah. uh, Justin Horowitz, right? Horowitz. Yeah. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. There were gas. People kind of applaud. Oh, wow. No, this is not a joke. Moonlight won Best Picture, and it was clear nobody knew. So he just Kimmel took the microphone. He said, "We gave someone an Oscar, and I have to take it away from someone and give it to somebody else, which is a first. And he said, um, "Quick recovery." Quick recovery. <laughs> he said, "I would like to see you get an Oscar anyway. Why can't we just give a whole bunch of them?" But what Kimmel was missing was the uncomfortable symbolism a year after Oscar So White asking oh. the black movie that won oh, share it with. Share. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. So Horowitz, though, saw what it was. He cut off Kimmel and said, I'm going to be really proud and hand this to my friends from Moonlight. And Warren Beatty 
Got Ryan Gosling sat there and let, held people get up on the stage. Warren Beatty refused to give up the envelope. Denzel Washington gave the all, like, to Kimmel, go. You get the real winners up there. So once again, Denzel yeah, being the did. godfather. Yeah. And uh, Warren Beatty, what they were handled, they had the wrong envelopes. And it was this Brian guy and Warren Beatty wouldn't hand over the envelopes for hours. Why? What he had. Why? Cause because he was so he, pe- pissed. He wanted to show that he was given the wrong. A- right. He was yes. given best actress. Yes, he was. He was given the wrong right. envelope. And so that's why they're all looking at it, wondering what to do, what to do, what to do. Yeah. I want to rewatch this now, Lori. Yeah. And people were asking Kimmel, was that a prank? And I wanted to hold the envelope, Warren said, to hold the chain of evidence. It's like CSI Oscars. If Faye Dunaway had some cashews backstage and slipped off to the governor's ball. Oh. And it was... So it's the wrong envelope. It would t- took several hours, but both accountants had entire sets of envelopes for each side of the stage. And when one person handed an envelope to the presenter, the other was supposed to put the unused duplicate in a briefcase, move on the ne- to the next. When Leo DiCaprio went out to present, he took the best actress envelope from the woman on stage right. And after Emma Stone won, Cullinan had two envelopes and one of them was still Best Actress. Oh, that's good juice. Yeah. I, it, now I want to go back and watch it. We are running so late, Lori. We've yeah, got to yeah. go. We'll come back and finish this. This is Lori and Julia. Hey, everybody. Uh-huh. All right, yeah. so Grant, you, as we're talking about, you know, the vintage scandal, what happened at, what was that, the 20, 2017. 2017 Oscars when they announced the wrong winner because Warren Beatty and Faye Donaway were held, handed the card for Best Actress is versus Best Picture, and they both stared at each other, didn't know what to do, but so now here is the producer of La La Land, La La Land telling fi- after they find out maybe there's a something wrong. Yeah, in the middle of his acceptance speech, yeah. he kind of hears them mumbling in the background, mm-hmm. and he's like, "We just lost." To my family, Maman, Papa, Jeff, homage, vous adore, Matt Pluff, you kicked this off, and Damien Chazelle, we're standing on your shoulders. We lost, by the way, but you know. I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. <laughs> Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. And he's got the card out and he's like holding it out. Wow, can you imagine that? The cat, the people from Moonlight told, tells us, Michael Schumann, we had to be told to move. Um, in the aisle, Andrew Garfield gave her a hug. What's happening? He said, you have to go on the stage. And then the La La Land producers handed the statues to their counterparts and hugged them. And uh, Gosling, like I said, was shaking everybody's hand. And as the faces changed on stage, Warren Beatty stepped in front of the mic and said, I want to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. Explaining the card read Emma Stone, which is why he'd stared at Dunaway so blankly next to him. Kimmel then said, Denzel yep. was like, Barry, oh yeah, the real winners had to speak. So Barry Jenkins then gave a half-thrilled acceptance speech and... The cameras cut to the slack-jawed spectators, Olivia, Octavia Spencer, Samuel, Samuel Jackson, the Moonlight team kind of went off stage. The La La people, La La Land people were in the wings. Two movies that are now forever entwined. No one knew what to feel. 
except confusion. And in the moments after the ceremony, the Dolby Theater was like Dealey Plaza with a thousand Oscar caliber subruders. Instead of the second gunman, there was talk of a a second envelope. Uh On social media, people were posting grainy close-ups of Leonardo holding the best actress envelope and of Beatty walking back on stage with it. Remember, there's the duplicate emblems yes, on both sides. Each side, yeah. In the press room, Emma Stone thickened the plot. She said, I'm holding my best actress in a leading role card. I have it. Oh, I don't wow. I don't mean to start right, stuff, but right. I have the card. Oh. Right. So who done it? Who'd... Then Jimmy Kimmel said, Was that a prank? He said, No. But then when he saw the two producers, he said, My God, what happened? And somebody again said, Warren, can we have the envelope? And he said, I'm not handing this to anyone. He held it high above his head. And when his wife, Annette Benning, called him to ask what happened, he said, I have the envelopes and I'm not giving them to anyone. As he told Oscar head writer the next day, I wanted to hold the envelope to preserve the chain of evidence. Good call on his part. Yeah. And I I love that he wanted to go back and explain what happened. He He does. He does. It wasn't me. Yeah. And um, and Kimmel was giving a toast to his writers after it was all over. The producer said Warren wants to talk to you in the green room when they found him. He was so upset. And I would have been too. It was like parties assembled from Clue. Faye Dunaway gone. Beatty, who held the murder weapon, basically. The two Oscar producers, the Academy CEO, a communications director, the president of the Academy, the ABC vice president of uh, communications, and Brian Cullinan, the, the Price Waterhouse accountant, who was in the role of the suspicious butler. Beatty held up the envelope and said, this is the envelope somebody gave me, and this is the envelope handed me later. One read Emma Stone, the other read Moonlight. Wow. Isn't that Cullinan something? Cullinan stood in the sh- corner shaking his head. He was still trying to pretend like Faye had read it wrong, even though he must have known what happened. But Cullinan hadn't put the pieces together. He was baffled. Beatty was holding Moonlight envelope while saying he'd been given the... Wrong one. Everyone else saw guilty accountant trying to deflect. It wasn't a profile in courage. And Kimmel invited Beatty, coming on the show the next night. Beatty said, that'd be great for you. And I remember thinking, we just have no business. What is going on? I'm going to have to explain this on my show. And uh, anyway, Cullinan was uh, fired for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess it was very... Awkward. Well, of course, for everybody. Oh, even of the course. people in the crowd. I was watching this while you guys were talking. Yeah. Parts of it. They showed a lot of you know Meryl Streep, people out there, and there you could just see the utter like I don't even know how to react right now. You the confusion. The oh, that must yeah. be uncomfortable for everyone. Mahershala Ali later told the Hollywood Reporter, "It never quite felt like we won, even though we won in part because we were so connected with the La La Land." People in that moment, I don't think we could be as joyous. It wasn't what it should have been. Barry Jenkins, the director, later on was charmed. He said, it's messy, but it's kind of gorgeous. And the Academy woke up the next day for damage control. Mm -hmm. But if you're interested, the book is called Oscar Wars, and it's... 11 stories of wow. scandalous things. I like that. Happened. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, look at the time. Look at the time. <laughs> We're, We're done. Like Everyone have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow. Job done. Off you go.